Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. We're in a series about love, and uh, we're not talking about love in the sense of marriage, but in the sense of all relationships, because we need love in all relationships. We want to have relationships that are vibrant, that are healthy, but I think also we want to have relationships that we enjoy, right? Nobody wants to be in a marriage they don't enjoy. Nobody wants to have dinner with their family that you don't enjoy. We want to have relationships that we can enjoy and also that honor God. And relationships that work require work. And that's why if you have your bulletin, you can open it and pull out the outline and follow along with me. There's, there's a phrase that I've been, that we've been looking at, and it's kind of a, a foundation for our series. And here's what we've been saying. We've been saying that great relationships are not built in a day. They're not built in a day. If you have marital problems and you go to counseling, do not make the mistake that because you went to one counseling, your marriage is fixed. If you're having issues with your children, just because you take them out to get ice cream and you have a heart-to-heart talk doesn't mean everything is solved. Great relationships are not built in a day, but they are what? Built daily. So if you haven't been here the past few weeks, what we've said is, is really two things. One, that love needs to be our highest goal, that love needs to be our guide. But second, We've said that love is the most excellent way, that love is the most important ingredient because without love, anything we do doesn't matter. Our words without love are just, are just noise. Our, our knowledge without love makes us pride, prideful. Faith without love is insignificant. Sacrifice without love it doesn't benefit us. So love is really the key to healthy and godly relationships. So what I want to do today is since we've already looked at the importance of love and at the significance of love, I want us to start looking at what love does. I want us to look at the behaviors, not what love is, but what love does. Are you with me? Amen. Amen. So before we jump in, I got a joke for you. Is that all right? Nobody gets offended, right? Just in case you're wondering, Pastor, why do, you, why do you tell jokes? We're at church. We're supposed to be serious. Well, here's why. Healthy families laugh. And we're a family. If you were in our membership class yesterday, which we had 11 people. It was really awesome. Um, we talked about how the church is a family, not like a family, but a family. And healthy families laugh. But the other reason that I tell jokes is because a lot of you are all tense. Like, I could tell you got in an argument with your significant other on your way here. Because your shoulders are too straight and, you, and your mouth is too tight. So, so laughter loosens you up, relaxes you, helps you to forget what they said to you on the way here, okay? So here it is. It says that a man was walking through the forest when suddenly a magical forest fairy appeared to him 
And he said, be careful to not step on the purple mushrooms. Because if you step on a purple mushroom, you will have to marry the ugliest person in the world. (laughs) This man, not wanting to marry the ugliest person in the world, was careful as he went through the forest. He walked so carefully that he made it to the end of the forest without stepping on any purple mushrooms. Suddenly, this gorgeous, beautiful, perfect woman appeared. And she says, well, I guess we got to get married now, right? And he, he responds to her with a smirk and a smile in his face. And he says, why is that? And she says, well, I stepped on a purple mushroom. <laughs> reminds me if you want to get married remember this summer we want to help you get married amen so if you are living together and you're not married we want to encourage you to honor the lord and bring the lord's blessing into your household and we don't just want to tell you to do the right thing we want to help you so if nobody i'm going to give you guys those of you that are not married and living together, or you don't have to be living together. Maybe you're just dating and you're like, we want to get married, but California is expensive. We want to help you. So I'm going to give you, I gave you last Sunday, this Sunday, and next Sunday to sign up. If nobody signs up, I got a bunch of married people who want to renew their vows, and we're going to give it to them. Okay? You see all the excited people? that All the uh, married people, how excited they are? So if you're living together, we want to encourage you. Let us help you. Let us bless you. It's not going to be, you know, we don't do cheap things at Dayspring. Amen. So when I say we're going to do a nice wedding, we're going to do a nice wedding. I'm even going to rent a tux. Okay. So, so, and that's not because you stepped on a purple mushroom, but, but because you really found (laughs) the love of your life. Are you with me? Let's pray. Heavenly father, we thank you this morning for your presence in this place. You're so amazing. You're so wonderful. And Lord, the best thing is that we can come to you just as we are. Some of us with broken hearts. Some of us on our wit's end. Some of us with questions. Some of us, Lord, with more issues than strength. And Father, you take us just as we are. And you can speak to us. You can touch us. You can bless us. You can change us right where we are. So Lord, as we go into your word, More than information, let it be transformation. Transform our relationships by beginning to transform us first. What we're going to talk about today, it's going to be easy to say, yeah, that's what she needs. Yes, that's what they need. But may we be humble enough to say, yeah, that's what I need. And even if others don't change, change me, because that will make my life better in the life of others. We pray that your word would do what it needs to do in us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Well, in this series, we've been looking at 1 Corinthians 13, and it's been titled The Great Hymn of Love or The Great Poem of Love. You've surely heard it at a wedding or received it on an anniversary card. And and this chapter is so beautiful because it not only speaks about one of the most beautiful things that is love, but in the way that it speaks about it, it's wonderful. But the thing about this chapter is that most people miss that it's not so much describing 
what love is as much as what love does. There's two differences between approaching love and saying, well, this is what love is and saying, well, this is what love does. In fact, I want us to look at it and I want you to see every description, not as a noun, but as a verb, not as a qualitative, but as a behavior. And look at what Paul writes in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4, 5, 6, and 7. He says, love is what? Patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with what? The truth. It always protects always trust, always hopes, and always what? Perseveres. In the original language, in the Greek language, when, when this passage was written, every one of those love is or love doesn't is not a noun, but a verb. It's an action. Because Paul's emphasis is not in us being able to understand what love is, but what love looks like, how love behaves, the ways of love. Because here's the biggest thing that we've gotten wrong, especially in our days. Love is more than emotions and intentions. We get in trouble because we confuse love as a behavior with love as an emotion or as a promise. I promise you that I'm never going to treat you wrong. I promise you that I'm going to be with you forever. He can't keep a job, but he's going to keep you forever, right? Yeah, it's true. Love is felt, but love is more than feelings. Love is actions. Love is behavior. In fact, our biggest approach to love should be that love should be visible, not just heard that we would be able to look at actions and say, yeah, that right there, that's love. It's not the balloons. It's not the red flowers. It's not the big teddy bear. It, it, it's that. You see how patient he is? You see how forgiving they are? You see how humble they are? That right there is love. Because that's what love is. Love is always displayed through actions and not just emotions. So the two things that, 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 that I would want to point out as Paul begins to talk about love is number one, that love is not nouns, but it's actions. But the second thing is that there are actions in the present continual sense, tense. What does that mean, Pastor? What does it mean that these verbs are in the present continuous tense? Well, it means that it's something that you continue to do, not that you did once. What you did in the past is what helped you stay in love in the past, but it's not what's going to help you stay in love today or tomorrow. See, love isn't patience once. Love is continually patient. Love isn't faithful once. Love is continually faithful. And see, that, that's why we get in trouble, right? Because we look at the things we did in the past and we want them to be enough to keep us for 40 or 30 or however many years you want to be married. And what Paul, in the original language, what the idea that Paul is communicating is that these are things that love continues to do. 
continues to behave in a certain way. So what we're going to do in the coming weeks is that we're going to take all those 15 characteristics, all those 15 behaviors of love, and we're going to look at each one one by one. And, and here's, here's the picture that I want you to have so that you understand how beautiful of a passage this is. Love is like a diamond. Love is a diamond. And every single one of those behaviors is like an angle to that diamond that makes it more beautiful and special and wonderful. So we're going to explore this diamond called love, and we're going to look at 15 behaviors. Today, we're only going to look at three because that's all the time they gave me. But in the coming weeks, we're going to look at the rest. Are you with me? Here's the first one. The first behavior of love is that, and you can fill this out in your outline, Love is what? Come on, say it with me. Love is what? So love waits. Or as Manolo's favorite version says in the King James Version, charity suffereth long. He suffers long. I'm just patient. He's King James. I'm NIV. But the first behavior of love is that love is what? Patient. Single girls, single ladies, hear me out, okay? Hear me out. I, I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say something a little bit strong, but I'm going to say with a lot of love, okay? If your boyfriend is pushing you to have sex before marriage, that is not love. That is lust. Because did you catch the first thing that love is? Love is what? Love waits. I want you now, but I can't have you. I'm going to honor you and I'm going to honor God and we're going to wait until the right time. Now, hear me out. Hear me out. Here's why. If he cannot wait to have intimacy with you before marriage, what makes you think he's going to be faithful when you're married? Love is what? Love is patient. In other words, love has a long fuse. Love doesn't easily burst out and and burn the house down, right? In the original language, the word patience means to have a passion that is under control. It means that Patience doesn't mean that you don't feel anything because that's what some people think, right? Oh, he doesn't do anything. He's very patient because he doesn't care. That could be the case in some cases, but patience. Patience is the ability to control your passion and say, no, I'm going to believe for what's best. I'm going to wait for what is good. Listen, patience in this passage doesn't refer to circumstances. It refers to people. In other words, love is patient. You ready for this? With difficult people. It's easy to be patient with wonderful people. It's easy to be patient when they're on time. But what about when they're not? That's when love is patient. See, it's like like Jesus told his disciples. Hey, if you only love people that love you, what difference is there between you and the Pharisees? So if we're patient with people that are easy, what good or how different is our love? 
But love is truly love. Love can be really seen because love is patient with difficult people. And we all have difficult people in our lives, right? And, and, and as I talk about difficult people, if nobody comes to mind, it's because you're the difficult one. <laughs> which, which I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're asking. Okay, but how patient? Like, like, like how much should we put up with difficult people? I think if we went around that room, one of the general uh, answers that we would give is like three times, three strikes and you're out, right? Like if you hurt me three times, that is more than enough. If you, if you flake out on me three times, it's more than enough for me to say, that's it, I got to move on. But that's a good question. How patient should we be with difficult people? How patient should we be with people that offend us, that mistreat us, that speak ill of us? Well, Peter asked this question, and he asked it to Jesus. Thank God for Peter, right? And look at what Peter asked. And in Matthew 18, 21, right there in your outline, look at what it says. It says, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? We've all asked that question. But I promise you, you are not as generous as Peter. Because look at what Peter says. Seven times? Most of us would be like, I gave him three strikes. He struck out. He's out. But Peter, as he asked this question, he says, Lord, seven times. Some of you would be like, that's too patient. But look at what Jesus says. He says, then, uh, no, not seven times. And I got to imagine Peter probably thought, oh, he's going to say three. (laughs) No, not seven times. Jesus replied, you ready for this? But 70 times times seven. Jesus blew it out of the roof. Now, if you're doing the math, seven times 70 is how many times? 490 for those of you that stayed through high school. The rest of the Raider fans, we, we want to help you with the math. <laughs> See, the Raider fan turned off the light, see? You see? They come out of the shadows. I'm joking, I'm joking. So, geez, they got hot in here, huh? That's all the Raider fans fuming and... Uh, I'm, jo- I'm joking, I'm joking. I hope they have a great year this coming year. Um, 70 times 7 is 490 times. But did you catch that? In a day... Yes, thank you. Not in a relationship, not in a week, not in a year, in a day. Now, do you really think Jesus meant four, four, um, 490 times? No, I don't think he did. Because I think it's impossible for somebody to offend you 490 times in a day. Here's what I think Jesus meant. He said, as many as necessary. And here's why I don't think he meant 490 times. Because if somebody was capable of offending you 490 times, after the 91, could you give up on them? Jesus would say no. See, seven is a number of completion. And what Jesus is saying here, he's saying, you got to forgive as many times as it's necessary. How patient should you be? Long-suffering. And here's the awesome thing. He doesn't ask us to do anything 
that he doesn't do. Jesus is the example of patience. Look at what 2 Peter 2.23 says. It says, he did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left, his ca- he left his case in the hands of God, who always what? Judges fairly. If somebody had the right to throw the stone, was Jesus, but he didn't. Because he was patient. And he left it in the hands of God. And he said, God, you'll deal with it. And that's what love does. Love says, it is not my job to change people. It is my job to love people. And one of the ways that I can love people is by being patient with them. And I know what you're saying. But pastors, because you don't know my family. You don't know my husband. This guy can press all the buttons. Well, may I remind you? that the father has to relate with you and you're not always the easiest case. And look at how he goes about in a relationship with us. Look how, not just the patience of, the fa- the, of Jesus, but now look at the patience of the father. In 2 Peter 3, 9, it says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. And maybe, and maybe you're saying, well, when is God gonna do something? When is God gonna bring an answer? Maybe he forgot, maybe he's slow, maybe he's late. But look at what he says, no, he is being patient, what? For your sake. He's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to what? To repent. God is patient with you, God is patient with me. Come on, can we have a moment of true honesty? I guarantee you that we all have a sin that more than once we've said to God, God, forgive me, I'm not doing this again. And you did it again. And again. And again. And probably this morning again. Now, in those cases, aren't you glad God is patient with you? Because what if he smite you with thunder the moment you messed up? There's a story that says that an atheist man went around village to village wanting to prove that God didn't exist. And he would stand in the city square and he would grab people's attention and he says, God doesn't exist. If God truly does exist, I dare him to strike me dead within the next five minutes. And this man would go on speaking evil of God And as the five minutes would come to an end, he would say, see, there's no God. Because if there was a God, he would have killed me already. And one one occasion, there was a man of faith who heard him and saw him do this. And after he said, see, there's no God. Because if there had been a God, he would have struck me dead. To which the man replied to him and he said, you don't think that you could exhaust the patience of an eternal God within five minutes, could you? See, the patience of the father and the patience of the son should be the patience that is manifested in our relationships when we love. How do we know we're children of God? Because we're patient as he is patient. Second behavior of love is that love is kind. Love is kind. Paul says love is patient and love is kind. And this is one of the greatest challenges that we have in our relationships. To be kind to what? To one another. Because what is it that we tend to do? Oh, you don't make me dinner? Okay, I won't fill your car then. 
oh, okay, you're not going to pack me lunch? Well, I'm going to do something to you too. I can't, I can't think what to do because I'm a kind person, not like you guys. I'm joking. <laughs> but come on, you know, in our relationships, we tend to treat each other the way other people treat us. And if you're going to live tooth for tooth and eye for eye, you're not going to be able to be kind. It's going to be hard to be kind, but we need it. And here's the thing. A lot of people, like with patience, a lot of people think that kindness is a weakness, right? Because if you're kind, it's almost like you got to be a floor mat and you got to let people mistreat you. You got to let people speak about you and not do anything. Because if kindness was not a weakness, well, then when somebody offends me, I should be able to punch them in the mouth. It doesn't take a lot of strength for somebody to offend you and for you to offend them back or hurt them back. You know what takes true strength? You know what takes true control? For somebody to speak speak ill of you and for you to say, God bless you. I'm praying for you and I want God to pour every blessing in your life. And here's the thing about kindness. Kindness is one of those qualities that gets better with time. See, just about every other quality What time will fade? If you're a beautiful person, your beauty eventually with time, and I'm sorry to say this to you, will fade. You won't always be as beautiful as you are today. If you are a knowledgeable person, if you're a smart person, if you're an athletic person, all that will fade with time. But kindness? You could be kind at 85 years old. You could be kind at 90 years old because kindness is one of those qualities, is one of the behaviors that it doesn't diminish over time. Once again, let's look at God's behavior. Look at what Luke 6.35 says. Love your enemies and what? Do good to them. I think that includes your mother-in-law. <laughs> Lend to them without expecting to be repaid, then your reward from heaven will be great. And you will, look at this, you will truly be what? You will truly be what? Speaking, voting, dressing like children of God? No, you will truly be what? Acting as children of the Most High. Why? Because he is kind to those, look at this, who are unthankful and what? Wicked. Has God been good to you? Have you always been good to God? Has he still been good to you? Why? Because he's kind. And and we have an example in him to be able to follow. So how can we be kind? What does it mean to be kind? Let me give you two simple ways for you to aim to be kind. Number one, seek to meet the needs of others. Seek to meet the needs of others. And two, serve people. Not because they deserve it, but because of who you are. You're a child, you're a daughter of the Most High. When you seek to help, when you seek to serve others, you will be a kind person. Because that's the model that Jesus gave us. In Matthew 20, 28, he says the following. He says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to what? to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for what? For many. If you want to live comfortably, you won't be kind. 
if you want to be served, if you want to be a recipient, if you want to consume, 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 it's going to be hard for you to be kind. Because kindness focuses on the needs and the service that others need, not yours. And love, love is kind. That's the way it behaves. Here's the third one, and I'll finish with this. The third behavior of love, and now we're going to enter into some negative things that love is not. And the first negative thing that love isn't is that love doesn't what? Envy. Love isn't jealous. Okay, just to make us all comfortable, can I just say that we all have a degree of jealousy in us? All of us do. I know some of you, 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 you need to go to a therapist. You need, you need help, okay? I don't mean that laughing. You, it, you do. But we, we all have a sense of jealousy, right? Like if I see a guy looking at my wife, I get jealous. When she sees all the girls looking at me, she gets jealous. <laughs> so, so we all have a sense of jealousy, right? But here's what you need to know. Please hear me out. Please hear me out. Because I think this is one of those ones that specially affects marriages. Jealousy is a poison that kills every relationship. Jealousy is a destructive feeling of every relationship, especially in marriage. A jealous person, an envious person cannot have healthy relationships or lasting relationships because jealousy is poison and it's a destructive emotion. And you know the dangerous thing about jealousy? It's two things. One, that we all have a degree of it, but two, is that there will always be somebody better looking, more with more money, with more achievements, with more success than you and I. So if we don't get a hold of jealousy, it will destroy every single one of our relationships. Now, there's two degrees of jealousy. Did you know that? And, and in this passage, it speaks about both. The first degree of jealousy is that jealousy that says, I want what you have. Oh, you got a Tesla? I want that too. Oh, you got running shoes? I don't like running, but I want those too. Oh, you got a promotion? I'm happy where I am, but I want that too. And that is the most common type of jealousy. But there's a, there's a deeper and uglier level of jealousy. And it exists in many people and they don't even know it. And it's that jealousy that says, I don't want what you got, but I don't want you to have it either. Can I tell you what this looks like in relationships a lot? I don't want to be with you, but I don't want you to be happy. And that's ugly. It's ugly. Look at what James 3.16 says. It says, for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find what? Disorder and every evil, and evil of every what? Kind. I don't know if you remember the story uh, that is found in the, in the Old Testament uh, of the two women that had a baby and one of them um, uh, slept over her baby and ended up killing them. So overnight, she went and she took the other woman's baby and they ended up fighting and they came before King Solomon because both of them were complaining that it was their baby. And Solomon, in his great wisdom, he says to them, he says, I have the answer. Let's cut the baby in half and each of you get half. Now, the true mother said, no, 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 don't do that. Give it to her. 
But the one that was not the true mother, she didn't mind it. Why? Because she had a type of jealousy and envy that says, I don't want it, but I don't want you to have it either. And jealousy is the breeding ground for all kinds of evil. So what do we do with jealousy? Well, here's the first thing you need to know. Look at what 1 Corinthians 3.13 says. It says, you are still what? Worldly. For since, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among, among you, are you not what? Worldly. So the first thing you need to know is that jealousy doesn't come from God. Anytime you feel jealousy and it leads you to evil acts or to distrusting or creating confusion in a relationship, it is not from God. You are acting worldly. You're not acting according to the spirit. So what do we do, pastor? What do we do when I'm tempted to feel jealous? Well, here's what the Bible says in 1 Peter 2.1. Get rid of all evil behavior, including what? Jealousy. Jealousy. How do we do that? How do we get rid of jealousy? Simple. Choose to love. Jealousy is a choice that leads you to a feeling, but so is love. It may be hard for some of us, but it's still a choice to say, no, no, no. Love does not envy. Love is not jealous. When you are tempted to say, oh man, I can't believe the luck she has. Instead of complaining, pray for her. And say, Lord, I bless her. Multiply that blessing a hundredfold. That's love. You see your ex with a prettier girlfriend? Instead of posting online that he's a dog and this and that? <laughs> learn to say, man, I hope they work it out better than we were able to work it out. Love is not envious. So Paul says, love is patient, love is kind, and love does not envy. Here's the thing. Easy to say, hard to do, isn't it? Easy to understand, hard to live out. But this is what love does. Now, understanding the way love behaves is one thing. Doing what love behaves is another. And that's where we get in trouble, right? How do we become more patient? How do we become more more kind? How can we get rid of jealousy? Well, let me show you how. If you take, go to the next slide, Polly, please. If you take each of these, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, and you replace the word love with the word Jesus, go to the next slide. It's still true. It still flows. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus doesn't envy. It's still true. It still flows. Now, you ready for this? Now, try putting your name in that list. Everybody knows Nestor's not patient, right? (laughs) So I struck out before we even began. But what about you? See, even in our best days, when we try to do it ourselves, not only is it nearly impossible, we'll make a mess out of it. So you know what the secret is? 
Not to say Nestor is patient, but to say Jesus in Nestor can be patient. The secret is still Jesus. When you receive Jesus, listen to me, I'm almost done. You receive the capacity to love. You receive the ability to love this way. But you then need to subscribe yourself to the school of Jesus and say, develop this completely in me. Look at what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 and 10. It says, now, as to the love of the brother and sister, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God how to what? That's it right there. God, can you teach me? Can you do it through me? But you know what that means? That means I got to lay Nestor down and I got to let Jesus flow through me. That means I got to put my emotions, I got to put what comes natural to me and say, Jesus, you be patient. Jesus, you be kind to me. Jesus, you help me to not be envious or jealous in this situation. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed, you practice it towards all brothers and sisters who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers and sisters, to excel even more. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you, and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.